Hey, thanks for listening to the Reclaim Podcast. You can go ahead and find our church on Facebook and Instagram at ReclaimTX. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen. All right, so something I want to preach on, which I think is really important. I want to preach on, uh, the other day I was watching Netflix, and, and so I don't know about you, but Netflix never really has anything good to watch. I mean, you're just like, you're looking for like 45 minutes, and then for me, I just go to The Office. Like, The Office is a never-failing show you can always put on, but... The other day I was, I was looking, I was watching it, and, and I saw The Matrix. Anybody remember, remember The Matrix, the movie The Matrix? That movie was like a game changer for, for Hollywood, I believe. The way they filmed things, it was just crazy. So anyway, I was watching The Matrix, and, and I, and I kind of got into it. I, I was like, man, I didn't think I would because the graphics aren't as good as they are now. But I'm watching, I'm like really into the movie The Matrix. It's, it's this, this, this idea that this guy named Neo, who is considered the one, right, he... His eyes are kind of open to this reality of what life really is. And the fact that, um, I'm not going to go through the whole premise of the movie. You can watch it if you want. Um, but he, his eyes are open to this new, re- this, this, the actual reality of the way that he's alive. He's alive in this bubble. And everything that he lived up until then was all like digitally communicated to his brain, right? So it's a great movie. Uh, you, could, you should watch it. It's a good movie. Um, but anyway, so what that kind of made me think about is, is, when reality hits you, because when, when Neil had this opportunity to, to take the red pill or the blue pill, you guys remember that? He took the red pill or the blue pill to either choose to live the same way he always lived or to live with the new reality and the actual reality that he, he learned about. And so what, what, I'm think, what I thought about with that is, is as we kind of sit in church and, and hear the gospel and hear what Jesus is doing for us and what he's doing for others, we hear this, this reality that we, we were kind of like, I never really knew that existed, right? Like, like we witnessed a miracle on Sunday, and it's like, well, I've heard of those things, but I never really thought I would see them with my own eyes. Or, or we hear of people doing things for God, and, and you're like, well, that's good for them, but I never really thought that I can do it. And so we see this new reality that it's actually the, the gifts and the miracles and the opportunity and the calling is actually for all of us. And so this new reality is open, and now we have the choice whether we live the same way we've always lived or we choose to live differently because of a reality that's been open to us. But regardless of, of what we decide, reality will change the way that we live. I remember when, when I was first getting married, my wife and I are going on seven years in November, which is a miracle in itself. And, and I remember when we first got married, or when I was getting married, um, I started to think differently. Right, I started thinking, okay, I'm going to be a husband soon. I gotta, I gotta save some money now. I can't spend it all on Carl's Jr. You know, all the, all the time. I, I gotta save some money. And 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 my, when my reality was changing, the way I lived changed. And I remember when I we were having our first kid, and then our second kid, and then our third kid, and no more kids. And and I remember when we had these kids, my real, my my life changed because of my reality. The reality hit me like, oh, I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be a husband. Or, or when we came to Texas and, and now we're starting a church, reality changed the way that I lived. It's like, oh, now I'm going to be a pastor or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be somebody that's actually leading people. And, and, and I have to change some things about me. But, but regardless of what you decide, reality will change the way that you live. When we realize the truth, it changes us. When we realize truth, it changes us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. It says, I hope, 
and I pray that your eyes and your heart may be enlightened. I want you to really understand and see who he is and what he's done for you and what he can do for you. And so if you're taking notes, the, the, the title of this message is When Reality Hits. The title of the message is When Reality Hits. And so what he's saying here is that he, he's basically saying, I pray and I hope and, and I wish that your eyes would be open to the goodness of God and his power in you. There's a quote here from the book uh, called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It says, the world is perishing for the lack of the knowledge of God and the church is famishing or the church is starving for want of his presence. The instant cure of the, uh, of the most of our religious ills would be to enter the presence in spiritual experience, to become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. This would lift us out of our pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged. What is he saying? He's saying, look, the one, you ever, you ever think about like religion and you're kind of like, man, I know that there's something more. I know that there's something more than just coming to church. I know that there's something more than just posting nice quotes on Instagram. I know, I know that there's something more than just, just doing church, right? There has to be, there has to be something. And the church is, is literally starving for, for the spirit of God. The church is starving that, and hoping that, that the Bible says that the world is hoping that the sons of God would be revealed. So what is he saying? That the, the world and the church is looking for the answer. And the truth is this, is that the answer and the cure is instantly found when we experience the presence of God. And that we understand that he is in us and we are in him. When, we, when this reality clicks, it changes everything about us. It changes what we think, how we live, and, 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 the, and how we treat people. It changes us. This is a reality. When the reality hits, our life has to change but the truth is we have to allow God to reveal this to us. We have to open our minds and say, God, I want you to show me what you mean by this. I don't, I don't want to just live the way that I've always, I don't want to be like Neil, right? I don't remember which pill was like the, the matrix pill. Um, but anyway, I don't want to take the, the pill that just li- makes me live a normal life. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't, and it's not even about self, self-lifting or, or saying I want to be great. What it is is, is I want to walk in the reality of who God is. I want to know him. And so the reality is this is, this is it, is Christ in me. Christ in me or Christ in you. That's the reality of, of what we believe is in the gospel is that Christ is alive. Jesus is alive, guys. And, and, and I know that it's cliche and it's like something that we see on T-shirts and stickers and, and whatever. But this is, Jesus is alive. We believe that he rose from the dead. We believe that he ascended into heaven and he sits now at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus is alive and he's alive in you. Ephesians 3, 14 and 19 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Son in the, in the, spirit, in the inner man. Excuse me. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, so that you may be filled With the fullness of God. My brother preached on this a little bit last Sunday. 
But this is the message I thought we needed to hear. It's not partial God. It's not a quarter of God. It's not a percentage of God. You have the fullness of God and it dwells in you. This is the reality. This is the truth. When you give your life to Jesus and you say, Lord, my life is yours. Can you come into me and begin to change me? The truth is this. We receive the fullness of God. Everything that God is, you have access to. Compassion for others. Love for people. Power, confidence, courage, righteousness, holiness, strength, power, all these things and more that God has, you have access to. So when we say things like, well, I'm not really strong enough to stand up against the temptation in my life, that is not true because the reality is is that the fullness of God dwells in you. So you have the power to overcome. You have the power to forgive, right? I mean, that's a hard one, right? It's hard to forgive. But we have this power to forgive can I, can I tell you this? There is more in you than you realize. And as a pastor, if I can get this church to believe anything, like besides the gospel, because we believe in the gospel, but, but what the gospel is telling us is this, is that you have purpose. You have purpose. We don't want to build a church of spectators. We don't want thousands of people coming to our church just to sit in the, in the service We want people that are going to come in and understand this reality that God is alive in you. You can change the world. So it's really not just about being in church. It's about about being the church. It's not just about coming and sitting in our, although I love you guys, come in and we offer donuts and coffee, right? That's nice, right? We even have heavy cream instead of regular creamer for those who are on keto, Um, right? We, we. We, we want people to come to the church, we want, but the, really the reason we want you to come is so that we can equip you so that you can make a difference out there. It's not about numbers. It's about world changers. Jesus says this in John 14, 12, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. You can do greater because the fullness of God dwells in you. All of the gifts of God are available to you. We, we, we saw this miracle, and we saw a few miracles actually on Sunday. And we can easily say, well, man, that's cool that he did that. But can I tell you that you can too? Jesus says this. He says, these are, these are the signs of those who follow me. They will cast out demons. They will pray for the sick and watch them recover. We can see that. This is not past tense. This is Jesus saying, these are the signs of those who follow me. It's not just for the preacher or the pastor or the leaders. It's for the believer. But this is the, this is the truth is that we say, okay, God, come into my life. Change me. Come into my life. I want to be used by you. The fullness of God. I want it to dwell in me. Anybody, want, I want, anybody would agree I want the fullness of God to dwell in me? Okay, I'm going to raise my hand by myself and pretend everybody else did too. <laughs> but this is, this, is, this is the truth. And this is the reality is that Jesus can't dwell in a dirty home. Jesus can't dwell in a heart that is partial. Jesus can't dwell in a heart that is unwilling to surrender. Jesus can't dwell in a heart that is full of pride and won't allow him to change them. In John 1, 1 John 1, 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So God cannot dwell in darkness. But when he enters into our life, his light begins to shine, and he illuminates through us. But as he's illuminating through us, he's also showing us parts of our life that need to change. Because the light of God will light up the darkness within us and show us those things that we want to hide. Anybody got things you want to hide? I'm with you. 
right? There's things I don't want people to see about me, but God sees it. And God shows it and he reveals it to us. So the goal of Jesus, when he comes into our life, and, and this is what we believe as a church, and I'll explain just a little bit, is that he wants to change you on the inside. He wants to change you on the inside. Who you are, what you do, and why you do it. He wants to become from the inside. In, in John 7, 37 through 38, it says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, the Spirit that he's talking about is now given to us because he went to the Father. So he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And what is he saying? He's saying those who believe, there'll be rivers of living water from the inside. I believe we're going to see miracles as a church. I believe we're going to see the blind eyes open. I believe we're going to see the deaf ear here. I believe we're going to see the paralyzed. I believe all these things, but I believe the greatest miracle that we'll ever see is the true transformation of an individual. Because physical miracles are temporary. Lazarus, he was raised from the dead, right? Can I tell you something? He ended up dying again. This is the truth. The woman, the woman with the issue of blood, she got healed. But can I tell you, she probably, she's not alive anymore. She died. Physical miracles are wonderful, but they're temporary. The miracle that lasts forever is a transformation that takes place within us. And so when Jesus gets a hold of your life, he's not saying, okay, I just want to fix your bank account. He's not saying, okay, I want to just fix your house or your neighborhood. He's saying, I want to change you on the inside because the inner change is what's eternal. So he says, I want to change you on the inside. See, if there's no true change on the inside, outward change is only temporary. We can fake being happy, right? I can fake being nice. I can fake being loving. I can fake all these things. But eventually, if I'm not really loving on the inside, if I'm not really happy on the inside, if I'm not really forgiving on the inside, then the outward actions of it are temporary. Does that make sense? So what Jesus wants to do is change us on the inside. Can I, can I encourage you, don't try to trick people in the church. Don't try to fool me or fool those around you because honestly, not that we don't care, but it doesn't matter what we believe about you because we can't change you. I can't change you. Only God can change you. So, so what we have to do is we have to be honest with ourselves. Say, God, there are issues in me that I need to change. Change me from the inside. There's, there's, there's loneliness. I'm lonely. I'm, I'm empty. I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm anxious. I'm bitter. I, I'm whatever, whatever it is that you're going through, there, there's these mind battles. There's this, this identity crisis. There's, there's, there's a lack of self-worth, right, or, or I, nobody loves me or nobody cares about me. There's these inner issues that we so easily hide and, we, and we, we press them down so that nobody can see them because we're afraid if people really saw what we deal with, if, if people really saw what we struggle with, then they wouldn't love us. So we put on a mask to show people what we want to be, but we know who we really are. And so what Jesus wants to do is he wants to go on the inside of who you really are and not change the outward, not just change the outward, but change you on the inside so that you're no longer angry. 
so that you're no longer lonely, so that you're no longer depressed, so that you finally see the worth in yourself and you finally see your identity in Christ and you finally see that people do love you and people do care about you and you are worthwhile and you are wanted. Jesus says this in 1 John 4, 4. He says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. He doesn't say greater, than, greater is the power that's around you. He doesn't say greater are those that, that, that will pray for you. He says greater is he that is within you. So those inner struggles are defeated by the power of God because greater is he who is in you than he that is attacking you or the world that is attacking you or the mind that is attacking you or the people that are saying things about you. Greater is he that is in you. That's good, right? That's good. He will heal, heal the brokenness and give you victory in the battle on the inside. Because on the inside is where living waters flow. On the inside is where you really begin to change. Can I say this? <clears throat> is there any way I can get a cup of water from anybody? There's, I'm sure there's styrofoam cups. If there's a used one, I mean, I'll just pray that it's not, you know, poisoned or something. Is this helping anybody this morning? Is this good? I mean, I guess well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to preach it anyway. <laughs> um, but this is the truth. This is the truth, and this is what I don't want to get away from, is if you're truly changed on the inside, your outer actions will change. And it's not a temporary change. It's actually who you become. Thank you, Winston. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. Oh, Lord. So this is why I think when it comes to, like, churches and religion, I think people have a bad taste in their mouth with church because they assume that everybody who goes to church is changed. And so when they're treated badly by a church member or by those who attend church, they say, oh, that's how the church is. But can I tell you this? That's not how the church is. That's how people are. I'm going to be honest with you. You come to Reclaim Church for a while, somebody's going to offend you. This is the truth of the matter. I'm going to be honest. I will probably offend you. I'm just telling you the truth right now. I will probably upset you. But that's just the way it is working with people. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being offended, but it's how you handle it. It's how you treat people after that. But you, it de how you treat people is dependent on what's inside of you. So when we, if we want to see a real change around us, then we have to allow God to change the, the issues within us. So that when, we, when he changes the issues within us, we're able to flow rivers of living water. So now wherever we go, we actually love people. We don't just say it. We actually do. Now when we go places, people are actually welcome around us. Not, we don't just say it as a church, oh, this is home. We don't just, that's actually who we become, right? Now when I treat my wife right or when I show my wife that I love her, it's not because I'm just trying to do it because it's the right. It's, it's because God is changing me and it's really who I become. Just, are you guys kind of understanding what I'm saying here? We have to allow God to change us on the inside before outward things begin to change. Don't, don't base the, the, the reality of God only on your outward actions. Now, I'm not saying it's okay to sin, but what I'm saying is God changes on the inside. And it flows. It flows to the outside. It flows through our outer actions. And we truly become a new person. I don't, I'm, I'm extremely happy that, that God allowed me to be a new person. Because I have a lot of issues, or I had a lot of issues. I dealt with a lot of things that, that I wasn't proud of. I did things and said things. Even, even in my marriage to my wife, I said things to her. I said things about 
people and, I, and I've done things that I'm not proud of, but I'm so glad that when I come to the Lord, he forgives me and he makes me a new person. And he begins to change the way that I see people. He begins to change the way that I treat people. And I'm telling you, if you if we, we want God to, to grow this church, but we don't want to grow it just for numbers. We want it to be grown because of people. We care about people. People matter. And when I look at you guys and us as a church, can, can we just be a church that genuinely loves people? Like when they come in the door that we're not like, oh, don't take my seat or that's the last donut. I better hurry up and get it, right? Like, like when people come in the door that we actually are happy to see them, that we're actually loving people, that we're actually forgiving, that we're actually full of joy because this is the life of a Christian. Jesus says, I want to give you life, but not just a normal life. He says, I want to give you abundant life. I want to give you a life that's greater than what you can imagine, but it starts on the inside, and it starts by believing that Christ is in me, because, so if Christ is in me, he's going to change me. So it's Christ in me for others. Our why is people. We do this for people. We care about people. People matter. They're valuable to God. My motivation to come to Texas, can I be honest with you? Although the, the, the low housing price was a, a you know, <laughs> I mean, it was a good, uh, a good reason to come to, but that wasn't my motivation. My motivation, honestly, before I knew you, was you. My motivation to come to Texas, when me and my wife decided that we're going to start a church, our motivation was people. I said, I just, I just want one person to know the Lord. I just want to build one disciple. I just want to help one couple know their potential and see their potential and see their value. I just want to help one, I just want to help people. And as a church, that is our why. It's Christ in me for others. Christ doesn't just change you for yourself. He's not just trying to make you happy so that you can stay home and lock yourself in your closet and just be happy. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> If you're doing that, let's pray for you. And just <laughs> but that's not what he saved you for others. So that you could be a light to people. See, purpose is always greater than passion. If you're just coming to church out of passion or out of like an emotional, like, oh, I'm excited, then that will fade. But if you're seeking the Lord and if you're coming to church and if you're living for God out of purpose, that will last forever. Because the purpose never dies. The purpose is people. We're not here just out of passion. We're not here just out of emotion. We're, we're here out of purpose, and our purpose is people. So Jesus alive in me for others. And the last one is by faith. If I can get David up here. Um, I don't know if my wife can get away from the kids. If she can, that would be amazing. If not, it's okay. <clears throat> so Christ in me for others by faith. So what is the reality? The reality is Christ in me for others. The last one is by faith. See, nothing is more discouraging as a Christian than doubt. You ever get to that place where you're like, I don't even know if God exists. Like, I don't know why I'm coming to church. Right? Like, and then we start to doubt like, well, am I, am I even worth anything? If, if God doesn't exist, what? You know, all these doubts kind of come in like, is this all true? Does the church really love me? Does he really care about us? Does he really want to help us? But the, this, or even the, the idea, the doubt of like, can I even make a difference? Right, like I know that I preach this a lot, and this is probably going to be an ongoing sermon for like 
forever because I want, I want you to know this, that you can make a difference, that your life matters. And, but honestly, that doubt comes in too, right? Like, can I really make a difference? Do I really matter? And I'm like, I, I don't think I do. I don't think I can. But that's all doubt. And so if we always walk by doubt, we'll never accomplish the purpose that we have. But the Bible tells us to walk by faith. Not by doubt, but by faith. And 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by what I believe, not by what I see. I walk by what I believe, not by what I see. Okay, now, I'm going to read this portion of scripture here now. It's a little, it's a kind of a long one. It's, it's 11 verses. I know that's crazy for a Sunday morning, right? 11 verses, Jesus help us. But, but help me out. I'm going to stutter a lot because I got to, it's hard for me to read sometimes. But it's Romans 4, 1 through 11, and we're almost finished here. It says this, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. But what did he discover about being made right, made right with God? If his good deeds had, had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his what? Faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift. Excuse me. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by by, as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. I know that's a lot of scripture. But what is he telling us? He's telling us, look, it's not just by what you do. It's by what you believe. Christ in me. And I believe it. I believe it. I live it out by faith. For others, I believe it. So I live it out by faith. And we do it all by faith. It's by believing. It's by believing. But listen, we can't say this. Well, well, I have faith and I'm just going to live the same way. Because what does it say here? It says circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith. So true faith produces action. True faith in God. Abraham didn't receive righteousness by acting right, but by faith. But the faith he had caused him to act right. We live by faith. So what does this tell us? It tells us that our response to the things that we go through in life can't be a response by what we see, but it has to be a response by what we believe. So when it comes to like, like, oh, God doesn't love me. Anybody ever struggle with that idea? God doesn't love me? God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. 
he, he's angry with me, right? We, we see that stuff. We, we, we feel that stuff. But, but it's more important about what we believe. So I may feel like God doesn't love me, but what do I believe? I believe that he does. And so my belief in his love will cause me to act out in his love. So the church has the church doesn't care about me. You, you can live that way or you can live by what you believe. I may feel like the church doesn't care about me, but what do I believe? Right? Well, I can't give an offering or I can't give finances because my bank account is low. And I know it's like, well, this is a touchy subject, right? Pastor, you shouldn't talk about this. That's all right. I can't give because my bank account is low. Okay, that's what you see. But what do you believe? I see that I only have a thousand, and God's asking me to give a thousand. So do I do I go off of what I see, or do I do I go off of that I believe that He'll He'll restore it or He'll provide for me? We go off by what we believe. Now, when it comes to living purpose, does God really have a calling for me? You can go off of what you see, and you say, "Well, I have a lot of." issues, I have a lot of problems, I have a lot of struggles, you can live off of that and you'll never make a difference. Or you can say, I may see, might see this, but I believe something different. I believe something greater. I believe that God has a plan for me, so I'm going to live that out. Is this making sense this morning? So it's Christ in me for others by faith. Can we say it together? Say Christ in me for others by faith. One more time. Christ in me for others by faith. You're going to see that on our Instagram because that's the point. Christ in me for others by faith. When this reality hits you and you allow God to change you, you'll begin to see a difference in your life. Christ in me for others by faith. Let's bow our heads. Thank you again for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. For more information on our church, you can visit our website, reclaimchurchtx.com.